Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you today and to share uh, in our study of the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to be in chapter 12, verses 12 through 26 today. And just before we dive into our text, let's just ask the Lord uh, to bless our time together. And then I also just want to pray for uh, our nation and some of the events that have taken place. And it's also International Day of Prayer, uh, where we're going to remember um, our persecuted brothers and sisters uh, around the world. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time of worship that we have been given, and we pray that it's been pleasing to you. And and Lord, we also come with a prayer of heaviness, but also a prayer of hopefulness as well. So first, Father, we pray that our nation would see a third great awakening with true revival as the name of Christ is proclaimed and your word is preached. God, we pray for our upcoming election, which will take place this coming Tuesday, that you would guide Christ followers in our nation to vote for candidates who reflect the heart and mind of God and that the results, whatever they may be, regardless of what direction it goes, that it would not lead to increased violence and unrest, but somehow would lead to increased unity. Father, we pray that you would be merciful to our country, even though we have continued to devalue your morals, we've devalued your ethics, We devalue all lives in and out of the womb which are made in your image. And God, forgive us for the times we have sought after our own idols. God, we truly pray that our nation would turn away from our many sins and we would turn back to you in repentance. God, we pray that we would truly be one nation under God. Heavenly Father, we also at this time want to lift up and pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. I pray that the light of your word would penetrate the darkest parts of these areas and many would come to a saving faith in your son, Jesus. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm not sure if, if you're like this at home or wherever you may be listening to this, but, but I, I love to, to work with my hands. I love to do simple projects around the home, whether it's working on a piece of equipment that I have, like a lawnmower, or if it's redoing my home. Some of you may remember that a couple of years ago, my wife Amy and I took some time to remodel our home. We knocked down a few walls, replaced the flooring. We redid some of the the cabinetry in our kitchen and and the backsplash. And so that did not come without some trials. There were some, some growing pains that happened as a result of that that we were able to share speaking about marriage just a couple of years ago. But, you know, since that moment, it kind of awakened something in me that I really wanted to do all that I could to fix any project or any repair around the home. I wanted to do that with my own two hands. Now, some of that you have to, you have to hire out because I don't have a license to do or I'm not qualified to do. Uh, but anyway, most of the time I'm able to do this. One such project that, that, I've, that I've recently started and, and just finished was working on my snowblower. Now, this was kind of a new for me, but I, I knew that, you know, the snow here in central Wisconsin, it's, it's already started to fall a couple of days. And I know what's on the horizon, having lived here for three and a half years. I, I, you know, the snow's coming at any moment. So I wanted to be ready. I did not want to be stuck without a snowblower. So I just want to do some preventative maintenance type stuff, like, like change the oil. I wanted to change my spark plugs, make sure my tires were, were at the proper inflation or if they needed repaired, I, I wanted to do that. And so throughout that process, I learned a lot about the different components of my snowblower. For example, the, the spark plug. 
You know, I, the spark plug is a tiny little component. It's about this big, maybe, maybe three and a half inches or so, but it's so vitally important to the function of my snowblower. See, without my spark plug, I, I'm not getting any spark. I'm not going to be able to start my engine because it's that tiny little component combined with the fuel and the air that creates a spark that ignites the engine. Without it, it's never, ever going to start. It's just going to take up space in my garage. So I learned that was a very vital part of the snowblower. Another component that, that I didn't even realize was a part of a snowblower until it was broken was this tiny little thing called a shear pin. Now, some of you probably know what this is, but I really had no idea until I realized only half of my auger was spinning in my snowblower. So essentially, I'm only doing one half of one strip in my, in my driveway. It was really difficult to complete. So I was able to find that and repair that as well. But that is a tiny little piece. But boy, is that essential. And then I had a flat tire as well that needed to be repaired. It needed a new tube. So I had to take some time to make sure that got done as well. Because as you know, without a tire, again, it's not moving. It's not going anywhere. And I, I didn't realize how for granted I took tires until mine was flat on a snowblower. So I had to take some time to, to repair the, the snowblower, to change out the shear pin, to replace the spark plug, to, to fix the tire. Uh, but, but, and, and I realize as, as I'm working on this that, wow, each of these components, they need one another. The, the, the whole snowblower is relying on each of those components for maximum functionality. Without it, it's, it's broken down. They, they, they need one another. And you know, it's that type of functionality, that type of unity that Paul is sharing about regarding the body of Christ in our text today. And so he's, he's talking about the body of Christ, and he says, we have, we have many parts that come together in one to bring glory to our Father. So with, with that in mind, let's dive into our text, and let's see what Paul says to us. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unrepresentable parts we treat with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. I love 
this, and, I, and I'm encouraged every time I read it. You know, I'm especially encouraged as I, as I think about how it corresponds to Highland's vision and mission, the ones that we feel like is leading our ministries forward, and that is to connect, grow, and go. But see, as we're connecting together, we're utilizing one another's strengths. And as we're doing that, we're able to grow more mature in Christ. And as a result of that, we're able to go into our neighborhoods and our communities and share about the love of Jesus And so this entire passage emphasizes our need to be connected to one another, to be a part of the body of Christ. We need one another. We are better together. We are better when we are working as one. And so even though the church is made up of many parts, many ministries, many spiritual gifts, when we come together, we are functioning as a complete unit. We're functioning as God designed it to be. And so as we look at our text, the first thing that we'll notice is that 18 times Paul uses the word body. The church is to be a unified body. And our body parts, when functioning properly, cooperate with itself. It would be like my body. My my right leg can't move forward while my left leg moves backwards. They have to be functioning together in unison. And my eyes are guiding my feet. They're, 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 and my brain is, is sending signals to the rest of my body to do what it's supposed to. And, and even my arms are, are pumping back and forth, giving me inertia to move forward and also providing balance to me. And even think about my big toe. My big toe is actually, even right now, providing balance for me to stand in front of you right now. And so we, ha- we see that it's all functioning together as a unit. And this is what Paul's point is in, in, these, in these verses that I just read. The body of Christ, the church, is to function in unity. We take the design we've been given, we take our gifts, and we work together. This is how God designed his church to be, to be one. It's his plan, and as his members, we are to execute it. Furthermore, as we see in, in Paul's writings, we'll see that he uses the word body with Christu, Christ, in the Greek. We, we see him using 33 times together, prominently in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, Romans, and Colossians, and it's always referencing the local church. The church is not just another organization. It's God's design. It's God's, it's God's gift to his people. And the ultimate goal in any church, whether it's the universal or the local churches, is to glorify God, to worship God, to bring glory to his name. And there's many ways we can do this. One of the ways we bring glory to God is by evangelism, sharing the message, the good news of Jesus to those who do not yet know who he is as Lord and Savior. You know, another way we worship and bring glory to God is by systematically teaching through Scripture, giving life-changing, powerful application to learn and grow and become more like Christ. We bring glory to God by caring for the hurting, by offering benevolent help to the widow or the single parent who desperately needs it. And we use our gifts. We use the abilities God has gifted to us to spur one another on to godliness. We pray for one another. We celebrate with one another. We, we see this in weddings or, or baby dedications or baptisms. We celebrate together. And then when one of our brothers and sisters in our church families is, is promoted to heaven as they leave this earth. We will grieve for one another, but we will also be hopeful that this person is in, in heaven and that gives us comfort and peace here. We surround each other. We support and care for one another. We are the body of Christ. 
God designed us to need and be with one another, support one another, love one another. And because this is so, because this is true, because God did design us to need together, like there's, there's never an opportunity for us to grow when we are spiritually self-sufficient. We need the church. We need one another. We're never going to, to reach our maximum functionality when we are living an isolated life. We need each other. We need the body. And not only does, does this passage remind us that we need one another, it says that we are to, to function in unity. Multiple times throughout the text, we see passages like one body in verse 12, to operate in one spirit in verse 13, the need for every body part coming together, verses 14 to 19. We see one body again in verse number 20. The need for every body part again is said in verses 21 through 23. There's to be no division we see in verse number 25. And we suffer and rejoice together, we see in verse number 26. Unity is so paramount in the local body, in the universal church. It's, it's paramount. It's how God designed it to be. And not only do we see this unity and functionality on a, on a macro level, we see it on a micro level. We, we see it on, on a global scale. We see it on a local scale. So let's just talk about how we see the church functioning together on a macro level. See, at a macro level, Highland is, is committed to worldwide church cooperation through, through a robust missions budget. So we're able to partner with missionary friends all around the world. And not only that, we're able to actually send teams on short-term trips to, to, to help with the ministry, to partner with them in ministry as well. In actual dollars, about 22% of all the money that comes into Highland is given to mission organizations and ministries, to benevolence, to, to, to local and global as well. This is all designed to, to be outside of the local church walls and making kingdom impact on a greater scale. And, and so what Paul is saying, it's not just the local church that has this impact, it's the universal church. It's, it's God's big C church. And so Highland is, is, is blessed to be able to give hundreds of thousands, uh, thousands of dollars to be a part of missionary efforts around the world. You know, some of our prayer partners are, are, are included in Europe. You know, I think of countries like Spain and England and Sweden and the Czech Republic. What a privilege it is to partner with those, those friends there. In Africa, we partner with countries like Ethiopia, Sudan, the Ivory Coast, South Africa, in Asia, we partner with our friends in Indonesia and Papua New Guinea, Central America. We think of our brothers and sisters in Guatemala and Honduras. In the Caribbean, we're able to partner with the Dominican Republic and Haiti. And worldwide, we see operation mobilization. We have Bible translations. And by God's grace, in the very near future, we'll be able to partner with brothers and sisters in South America in the country of Brazil to see God have kingdom impacts there through the people serving there. And this is just how we're able to engage on a global scale. But there's also some local organizations that we partner with as well that have kingdom impact in the Wausau, central Wisconsin area, in the Midwest area. I think of organizations like Fellowship of Christian Athletes or Hope Pregnancy Center or Bridge Street Missions or Gideon's or Bible uh, translations like Wycliffe and Romans 10 or Trinity Seminary, which is in the Chicagoland area or an organization like Four Springs or Athletes in Action or even the Evangelical Free Church of America. We're able to partner with them on a national and district state level as well. It's just a, it's a great privilege to be a part of the greater body of 
Christ, to, for, for us to, to partner with our brothers and sisters to, to see them have kingdom impact. And, and so what we're able to, to do this in a, in a variety of ways, we're able to partner financially, we partner in prayer, we're able to offer emotional support, spiritual support, some encouragement with notes and cards, and, and just a, a wonderful privilege and opportunity to partner and be a part of the Big C Church and see this have kingdom impact all over the world and right here in our own hometown as well. So that was a little bit on a macro level. What about on a micro level? What about in our local church? What about Highland? Well, I think God would desire all of our church ministries here at HCC to function together. We want to be united under the banner to glorify God by helping people take their next step in their relationship with God. And maybe you know this, or maybe you don't, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this, but we're blessed to be able to meet in four campus locations. And we are, we are designed to, 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 to pour into our communities that we are planted in. We want to be unified in our efforts. But you know, as we say here a lot, unity does not mean uniformity. Right? As we said, an arm is different than a leg, and an eye is different than an ear. And Paul mentions this in the text. But when we are, are coming together, we're united with a common vision, a common purpose to glorify God. We can see big, powerful things happen as we are functioning as God designed and intended. And so it's our desire to, to utilize one staff across four campuses, one elder board, one budget, one common mission and vision. Now, you'll, you'll understand that each campus has its own uniqueness and, and its own way of, of doing different things. And that is wonderful. We don't have to do ministry the same way across our campuses, but we want to have the same goal. We want to have the same mind. We want to have the same heart. And we're able to see this accomplished every single week, which is so, so encouraging for me. So we can do ministry in varied ways, but we are united under the same vision and mission. As we dive back into our text, there's another thing that I noticed I think is really encouraging to me, and hopefully it's a blessing to you as well. We notice that everyone has a role to play. Everyone has a role to play. There, there is no Christ follower who lacks a spiritual gift in their life. If you have trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you have at least one spiritual gift that he's given you to make a kingdom impact, to be a blessing to the local church. I love what Paul says in verse 22. He says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They're indispensable. So, so maybe you're at home, or, or I, I feel like this in my own life as well. I just don't feel like I can contribute like I want to contribute. All my gifts are just small. They're, they're tiny. And, and I say this with, with quotation marks because nothing could be further from the truth. Paul says, Scripture says, it's indispensable. The, the small gifts that we feel like we play, wow, they're, they're so needed. I, I think of the, the person who says, well, I'm, I'm just, I, I just pray. I just stay at home. I'm behind the scenes. I don't want to be up front. I just want to pray. Well, in, in, in my language, in our language, we call that a prayer warrior. So I, when I think of, I just pray, I think of William Wallace slapping battle paint on, ready to do some spiritual warfare. That's what I think when I think of someone who just prays. And, and we'll never know what kind of impact those prayers will have on this side of eternity. You know, maybe because of the prayers that, that we've prayed, maybe that the teenager will, will re, decide to remain pure sexually and wait until marriage. You know, maybe the marriage you've been praying for that has been on the rocks and on the brink of divorce and destruction and chaos, 
maybe because of the prayers you prayed, now, now we're able to see reconciliation, reunification, restoration in a broken family. You know, maybe the, the person who's been struggling with unemployment, maybe because of the prayers that you've prayed, that person finally got the job offer they've been waiting for. Or maybe they finally got the call that, hey, we want to set up an interview with you this week. Maybe that's because of the prayer that you prayed. Or, or what about the person who's been struggling with substance abuse for, for, for decades or more? You know, maybe because of your prayer, now, now they're able to experience a 30-day sobriety chip or a 60-day or one year. Maybe they're going on five years. So maybe because that's the prayer that you prayed. That the prayer is no small gift. It's, it's indispensable according to what we see in Scripture. Or about the other person who feels like, well, I, I just sanitize the building. I, I, I'm, I'm totally, any, a monkey could do my job. This is what we think in our mind. And nothing could be further from the truth. Especially think about the world we're living in now where sanitation and making sure everything is clean it is so valuable for people to stay safe and healthy as they're coming into our church doors. Like that's so, so vital. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. They are so, so needed. Or maybe you say, well, I'm just rocking babies in the nursery. What, what good is that gift? Wow, as you hold that precious child, that, that next generation that's going to make a kingdom impact for their generation. Well, as you pray over them, share stories of scripture with them, and sing songs with them, how much of an impact is that going to make in that child's future? How much kingdom impact is that going to have for the, for the kingdom of God? And some of us are serving so faithful, we're using our gifts so faithfully, but no gift is small. Every gift is indispensable. You know, recently I've, I've taken an interest in putting together 3D puzzles. And, and I'm actually surprised how much I like this. Uh, I would have never guessed, like, I would be a puzzle guy. But 3D puzzles, just has, they've just, it's been fun. I know it's kind of nerdy, but this is just what I like to do. So it takes a little bit of time. It's, it's kind of challenging. And in a couple of weeks, so I just finished a, a puzzle of the, of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C., and it turned out great. Here's, here's actually a finished product of what it looked like. And it turned out really, really awesome. It took a lot of time. I had a little help from my family members. Um, I had to be very persistent. I had to make sure I could find the pieces properly where they go. You know how to put a puzzle together. It, it was a lot of work. And it looks awesome. But, you know, if we were to take a different angle and kind of look at the back side of, of this puzzle, you'll notice there's a, there's a gaping hole right there in the top left corner. Now, it turns out, and I'm actually missing two pieces from the puzzle. Now, I, I knew this was a possibility. I, I actually purchased the puzzle used, so I kind of anticipated at least one piece being missing. Turns out there was actually two missing. Two very small, seemingly insignificant pieces. You know, from the front, everything looks awesome. But in reality, it's, it's not functioning as designed. The puzzle's, the puzzle's not complete. Two little pieces, 99.8% of the picture is complete. But that 0.2%, that very small, seemingly insignificant, those, those, those two pieces, it's affecting everything. Because what you can't see in the picture is that the walls are starting to cave in a little bit. That the ceiling, the roof is starting to, to crash down. Because those two pieces have interlocking systems where they lock together, but they also lock into the rest of the puzzle as well. They're reliant 
on each other. The rest of the puzzle is reliant on them. And without it, it's starting to crumble, starting to cave in. It's so valuable that those two pieces are there because without it, it's not going to stand for very long. That's kind of how it is in the body of Christ. We may have roles or, or gifts that we feel like may be behind the scenes, but, but when that is missing, when those, those 0.2 percenters are missing, wow, it impacts the entire body. So you, you have to ask yourself, I have to ask myself, what piece of the puzzle are we? What gap am I intended to fill how am I supposed to be linked up with another brother or sister in the body to, to keep the picture as God designed it? Because I know that that person is reliant on me and I am reliant upon them as we rely on the Lord together. We need to be interlocked just like the, those foam puzzle pieces and my 3D puzzles. And one of the ways we, we see this is by, by, by praying for one another, loving one another. And I love what Paul says. I want to reread what he wrote in verses 21 and 26. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. See, my puzzle pieces, if they could talk, they can't say to one another, hey, I don't need you, because it's starting to crumble. And Paul goes on to say in 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. God designed us, he created us to need one another. And it's so sad to me, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking when I hear Christ followers say, well, I don't, I don't need the church. I, I, don't, I don't have to be a part of, of a local congregation. I, I could grow on my own. The reality is that that may look good on paper and it, and it, may, it may even be trendy, but, but it's not true. It's not biblical. God clearly says we need one another. And all throughout scripture, we see the, the call for us to, to love and to be and our need for one another. You know, I, I think I'll just share a few of these with you. We see in Scripture that we're to love one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to pray for one another, accept one another, serve one another in love, be devoted to one another in Christian love. We're to honor one another above ourselves. We're to live in harmony with one another, bear one another's burdens, and be compassionate to one another and also be kind. See, in the context of these one another's, it's written in the, in the context of the local church. I need you, you need me. We need one another as we rely on God. I really appreciate what the writer of Hebrews said in verse, in verse 24 and 25 of chapter 10. He says, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you see the day, the day of Jesus' return and judgment, all the more as you see that day drawing near. God created us to need one another. He created us to have fellowship within the local church. He, he wanted us to grow by relying on each other as we lean on him. So how do we synthesize this into some practical application points? Well, let me just leave you with three very simple, very tangible application points on how you can take some next steps. First of all, I just want to encourage all of us to take the spiritual gift inventory. Now, we've been announcing this for a couple of weeks here at church, and we have provided a link for you to be able to do this. So I would just encourage you to, to click on that link, take about 15 minutes or so to evaluate, answer some questions, and evaluate what your spiritual gifts are 
are. It's, it's very accurate. I took it a couple of weeks ago. Again, it took about 15 minutes, but it was very accurate in how it described me and what I feel like my, my, my top three spiritual gifts. I just want to encourage you to do that. That is step number one. Take your spiritual gift inventory. And once you have done that, you can go to application point number two, which is this. Know how you can use that gift or those gifts in the local body. So once you've taken the inventory, give us a call, shoot us an email, allow one of our pastors or one of our staff to speak into you, to show you some of the gaps that that you can fill, some of the ways that you can give and serve here at Highland. In addition to that, the the second reason I want want us to be able to do this is because it, it can affirm the gifts that we have. We can say, yeah, God has completely gifted you in this. You're gonna thrive in this area. Or maybe we've not taken the assessment correctly and we need to understand what like, our correct spiritual gifts are. And so that allows us to speak into you and say, you know what, let's retake the inventory. Let's really spend some time praying through each question and really allowing the Lord to lead and direct us when it comes to knowing our spiritual gifts. So you have affirmation, you have direction, you know, you know the needs. That's, a, that's the second point that I want to share. And the third point, very simply, let's just put them to work. Let's use them. Once we've identified them, once we've seen the needs, we know the gaps, just like those 3D puzzle pieces, let's fill the holes. Let's, let's be that two per, those 0.2 percenters that are glorifying God with our gifts. Because without, without those pieces, without your gifts, without those gifts being utilized here, the picture's just not quite complete. So let's, let's know our gifts. Let, let's see the holes. Let's fill the gaps. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you, Lord, that through the direction of your spirit working through Paul, he has given us some great tools, some great encouragement, knowing and giving us hope that we have a use with our spiritual gifts to bless others and to make a kingdom impact for you. God, may we utilize those gifts when we take our spiritual inventories, may we find some good direction, and God, may we fill gaps as we see the need. God, may you be glorified when we serve and give, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.